welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is Season 4, Episode 10, Sunday, March 13th. My name is Jeff Baker, and I am your host, and you're listening to the Nationally Ranked Sports Card Podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host and friend, Mr. Drew Pelto. Welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be on here, as always. Drew, we have another busy week, lots of stuff going on. For Before we get into the show stuff, I want to just remind everyone that we have our Sports, the uh, Sports Map Radio Show, which is called Sports Collectors Club, is on Sports Map Radio Network across the country, 110 station. It is broadcast every Sunday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then uh, repeated again from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So you don't have to get up too early. This is Eastern time. Check it out. It's Sports Map Radio. You can grab the app on your phone and listen to the show on uh, your phone, or you can find your local. Uh, SportsMap Radio Station, just go to sportsmapradio.com. The name of the show is Sports Collectors Club. You can check out our webpage at sportscollectorsclub.com. And uh, it's really a fun show, so please tune in and let us know what you think. Um, Drew, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week, huh? We do, yeah. I mean, the biggest one, I mean, right off the top there, baseball. We're going to have it this year. Woohoo! Baseball's back! Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Baseball's back. Hopefully, the guys will be signing um, down in Florida for spring training. So hopefully, I can uh, get some autographs. I'm actually going to go out uh, today and go see if I can get some autographs uh, at the Red Sox. They they have open spring training right now, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully getting a few mailed out as well. I know, like. Uh... Rysel Iglesias, for example, is a great TTM or one of the few active players that is a great signer by mail. And they put a card of him in the uh, the top heritage high numbers set from last year that I'm working on. So it's like, great, I can finally get that mailed out now. Cool, yep. Well, I'm very happy baseball is back. Well, we guys, we have a great show for you this week. This week is uh, NFTs. We are going to really focus on NFTs in our interview. I have uh, Sophia Wasserman, who is uh, an ex- NFT expert from J.P. Morgan, Chase and Company. I had a, a nice interview with her, uh, and all about uh, really introduction to NFTs. And we're going to play that right at the end of Baker's Dozen. And then at the in our normal interview segment, we're going to have Tobin Lent, who is the vice president of digital um, at Tops, and we are going to talk all about uh, Tops NFTs. So it's a big NFT show this week. Next week we're going to have um, fantasy baseball expert and legend Lenny Melnick. He's a huge collector, and we're going to talk to him next week. But this week is, is really NFTs, so we're going to talk NFTs. We have all our regular segments go, going on. I'm not going to run, run down them. But if you want to reach out to us, we have a text line, which is 978-729-0662, or you can email us. Drew, what's the email address? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, send us an email. Let us know how we're doing. If you want to tell Drew how great he is, I know he, he never tires of hearing that. He's, he's on the he's on the DL this week. He hurt his ankle, so we'll, we be be nice to Drew, and uh, we are gonna you know tell if you want to be a guest on the show, if you have uh, suggestions for us, uh, send it to us ctmcast at yahoo dot com, or you can text us at nine seven eight seven two nine zero six six two, and those are our contest lines as well. But we're gonna get right into our show, 
and we're going to jump in with Baker's Dozen. Well, Baker's Dozen is a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby. There's a lot of news uh, coming from eBay this week. eBay is uh, going to be starting a, a vault, a, a, a real physical vault, where collectors will be sending their the, can send their cards in, sellers can send their cards in to eBay. eBay will hold on to them, and then uh, the, when the the purchase has gone through, uh, the purchase automatically flips over to the the the, per, the guy purchased the guy that purchased it automatically. So the seller doesn't have to do anything else with the card. Um, so you might want to check that out. Out that's coming out uh, kind of soon. eBay is also looking into uh, starting to do uh, fractional. Um, collecting and, and buying and selling, so uh, watch out for that. But just a couple uh, statistics from eBay. eBay now has 147 million buyers worldwide, with 28 million of them being high-value buyers. So there's a lot of uh, transaction going on on eBay. And the one thing that really stuck out uh, from eBay is that for every second of every day, eBay sells a card. That's got that's unbelievable. One card every second a card uh, is sold on eBay. That's phenomenal, isn't it, Drew? It is, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me too much because I mean, you can see almost any range of card on there. You might be able to pick up, you know, the card you're missing for your 1988 tops baseball set, all the way up to well, one that we're going to be talking about a little bit later there that went for eight hundred thousand dollars. So they've got yep. everything on there, whole range, whole wide range of everything. I didn't want to steal your thunder on the eight hundred thousand dollar card. <laughs> <laughs> I gave a little tease to it there, you know. Let it keep keep everyone waiting on it there. So yeah, um, a little autograph news. Some unfortunate autograph news. Uh, uh, Guy Lafleur, the legendary Montreal Canadiens uh, forward, also played with the Rangers and uh, the uh, Quebec Nordiques for a bit. Uh, he's had to stop signing for a while. He's been a great friend of the TTM hobby. He was a guy that I mailed to back in. 1998, when I did my first ever wave of TTMing in the hockey world. But uh, he's been battling cancer for a couple of years, and it sounds like uh, he's hitting kind of some rough parts of the treatment right now. His, uh, he and his family have announced that, yeah, he's going to have to hold off on the mail there. So if you're planning on sending out to Guy Lafleur, unfortunately, you're going to have to hold off at least for a little bit. Hopefully this isn't a permanent thing. Hopefully it's just temporary, and he'll be back to his usual self here soon. But, yeah, hold on to those right now, and obviously we wish him the best of luck in uh, dealing with all of that. Yeah, he's a super TTM guy, and, and uh, obviously he was uh, one of the, yeah, I would say he's one of the top ten uh, hockey players of all time, and he was uh, certainly a pain for any Bruins fan. Uh, he killed us, but we, we wish him well. Um, th- this is kind of really for, for Drew's uh, list. Drew has been building a list of cards guys won't sign, and I, we just, I just saw that uh, Kevin Jordan, uh, formerly the Phillies, uh, will not sign his 1996 scorecard and he won't because it's not a picture of him it's actually a picture of his teammate ricky jordan uh so he's he's never signed uh that card except for one time he did uh, some a nun sent him a nice letter and she needed it for something and he signed it one one time it's the only time he signed it he will not sign his 1996 uh scorecard so which just uh you know there's, there's a bunch of guys out there right drew yeah, there are, and I'm working on compiling a list for all of that right now. It's up on my website at dfwgrapher.com. On the left-hand menu, if you go down to links and info, there's a list of cards players won't sign. I have it broken down by sport, and I've got a lot for baseball and hockey, but not quite as many for football and for uh, basketball. But just a few examples besides that one. Uh, you've got um, 
me pick one off here. Like Keith Comstock had uh, two infamous error cards in 1991 and 1988 tops. He won't sign either of those. Uh, Danny Jackson will not sign his 1985 Donruss card because it shows Frank Wills. Um, over the football world, I know you've got the uh, that Albert Bentley one that you mentioned, the 92 Fleer game day that he will not sign for unknown reasons. Uh, Andre Risen will not sign his 1990 Topps card because it shows Clarence Weathers. Basketball is not a whole lot that's out there. Uh, Julius Irving won't sign photos of him fighting with Larry Bird at all, for example. And like I said, the hockey world, there's a whole bunch of them. But like Ken Baumgartner will not sign his 90-91 Upper Deck card. Uh, Stanislav Nefskash will not sign his 94-95 uh, Upper Deck card. And there's a whole bunch of others like that. So go and check that list out. Make sure you know what you're sending out and that you don't accidentally send something that you're not going to get back signed. And if you know of any others, please, by all means, let me know. I can definitely add them onto the list. Yeah, I know. Isn't our West Chamberlain card from baseball he won't sign because it's not him? Right. 1991 tops. So West Chamberlain, they misprinted the first one with uh, Louis Weathers on the card. And then they corrected it later on. And I think the corrected version shows Chamberlain like kind of a waist-up shot and it looks like he might be like throwing during warm-ups or something like that. And I believe the error card has uh, shows Meadows, I think, at the plate. So I, don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% on that, but you can find it fairly easily online, which one is which. And yeah, he will not sign the error version. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, guys, we have we had some uh, records again broken. Uh, Dr. J, Julius Irving, his uh, most valuable card, was uh, sold on auction this past week. It was a PSA 10, 1974-75 card. It's not his rookie card. He's with the New York Nets. He is a, it's an all-star card, so it's a great card. Um, and a PSA 10 version of it sold for $132,000. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons was that the 1974-75 uh, card was not that uh, prevalent in terms of that, not that popular, so they did print a lot, and um, it's a tough card to find in um, mint condition because of the maybe the, the quality of the cardboard, they, I think, was the, the main reason. But an, a PSA 10 1974-75 uh, tops Dr. J card sold for $132,000. Wow. Got some other uh, record-breaking news from uh, big men there in the NBA and auctions. Um, George Mikan, legendary center back in the 1940s and 50s, Hall of Famer for the Minneapolis Lakers. eBay sale on this one, $800,000 for his 1948 Bowman graded at a PSA 9. And, I mean, a lot of times it seems like you see a lot of the big numbers like that, the six-figure stuff coming through the big auction house and everything. This is the first one I've ever seen on eBay that has gone for that high of an amount. So, don't sleep on eBay auctions either. You might see some big stuff come up on those. Yeah, I think there's a there's a eBay surprises me every day when when I hear something about this, but it's kind of cool. Well, there's a lot of show news going on too, Drew, as well. There is, yeah. And, uh, one back in my old uh, stomping grounds, Northeast Ohio, in the town of Strongsville, on March 25th through 27th, over at the Best Western Conference Center, we've got a big show going on there. You can check it out at StrongsvilleSports.com. But uh, Wade Boggs is going to be there, Jack Morris, Lawrence Taylor. Also going to keep it local on a lot of uh, Cleveland area guys signing autographs there. Bernie Kosar is going to be out there. The great uh, dual 1,000-yard back backfield there of uh, Ernest Biner and Kevin Mack both will be signing there. Uh, one of the Pruitt brothers will be out there as well, as along with uh, current running back Kareem Hunt. And uh, Joe Charbonneau, 1980 Rookie of the Year, Super Joe, is going to be out there, as will the one of the first big stars for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Austin Carr, played for them. I think he was their first ever draft pick, if I remember correctly. And if I remember, I played at Notre Dame as well, but he's a uh, solid signer, a great guy, and he'll be out there signing as well. So, again, 
Strongsville, Ohio, March 27th, March 25th through 27th. Check it out, strongsvillesports.com. Yeah, April 1st to the 3rd uh, in Chantilly, Virginia. It's a great all, Chantilly show's always great. There's um, a bunch of guys signing, including Dante Culpepper, Bernard King, Bob Dandridge, Hall of Famer, Dikembo Mutombo, and DK Metcalf. So there's a lot of guys there. It's uh, April 1st through the 3rd at Chantilly, uh, Virginia. And you go to csashows.com, csashows.com for more information. Well, that wraps up shows. We have a couple uh, releases, new releases that uh, came out this week. The Panini Playbook Football, which is always a great uh, release. I love the, the, the booklet cards. And uh, in, in the Playbook Football release, you get one single pack of four cards, two memorabilia and two autos, and one of the uh, autos and memorabilia is going to be a booklet card. So that's pretty cool. There, It's $480 a box, but those booklet cards are just awesome. So um, I think it's well worth the money, $480 for a Panini playback, Playbook playbook Football. That's a mouthful. Panini Playbook Football, which just came out uh, on the 11th. Uh, top Heritage Baseball finally hitting the shelves here this week. Good to see that it made it on time this year. I know last year it got delayed a couple times by about a month or so, but hit the shelves uh, on time here. 500 base cards with 100 short prints. 24 packs per box are going to run you at 110 to $115. So, Affordable price on that. I've seen some really cool-looking uh, inserts and parallels out of that as well. So definitely go and check that out. It's always one of my favorite releases every year, and it's always great for the autograph signers. I mean, nice uh, no-gloss and no-extra-prep work needed on there. And being in the 73 design, there's no facsimile autograph to deal with on it either. So really uh, really looking forward to getting a few of those here soon. I know there's been um, some bad buzz on Twitter about the Heritage, this Heritage release, and I, I was kind of uh, – hesitant about it i i had i haven't bought my box yet because i'm out on the road but i actually went and uh, watched a break yesterday and um it was the 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 one the box the one box that i saw was a hot box so they had oh, wow. uh, the purple the purple insert one purple insert in each of them and it was just you know it's i think there's one hot box per case and there's 12 12 box in the cases so you, so you don't know what you're going to get and uh, but the in that box they there was a, a wander franco rookie card a um, autograph, a Jose Abreu card, and a uh, Vlad Junior um, memorabilia in you know a, a uniform insert card. So I thought it was pretty good, and the cards look great. I think I think they're great for CTM, and I think that they they had some. They really captured the '73 uh, look, and one of the cards that was in the box was an it was an exact replica of the Clemente '73 Clemente card. Oh, yeah. So it was, you know, obviously you're not going to get that autograph, but I love that card. And uh, it's, uh, I, I thought the pictures were good. I, I was I was a little worried from the, the responses and reviews I've seen in Twitter, but I think I'm steered back to, I'm going to go buy a box. What about you? Yeah, I know uh, Ryan Fagan, who's one of my favorite followers on Twitter, a great guy and everything, has a lot of really good hobby content. He was one who was just steamed by how his box turned out and everything. And I get it. And if you're looking for big hits, Heritage is not the product for you at all. And so if you're looking at this to be just like, you know, set build and everything, and you like the nostalgia of the old designs, it's a great product. And what I've seen from that, at least, it still is a good product. Just don't expect, you know, something absolutely huge out of every box or anything like that. But I, yeah, I'm going to probably take a chance on at least, a, you know, a couple blasters or something. Take a look and see what I get. Uh, don't know about a hobby box at all. Since I got my, all my big money's going toward my trip here this summer. So it's, I kind of got to put that aside a bit, but I'll grab a blaster or two, I bet. Yeah, I think so. And I, I heard Blasters went up. I thought I heard they went up to twenty five dollars a 
a boss of blasters. So yep. the price of collecting keeps going up and up. Well, that wraps up Baker's Dozen for the week. Um, we're going to go right into a, an interview that I had with, with a very uh, smart woman about uh, a subject that I know little to nothing about and Drew knows little to nothing about, I think. And, well, we're just learning, you know. It's NFTs, you know. we got to learn. The NFTs is the next thing on the horizon. And uh, Sophia Wasserman uh, is the NFT expert from J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. And just uh, keep in mind that the views that, so Sophia uh, makes in the sense of you are solely hers and not the uh, the company. So this is uh, Sophia is a, a, a expert on F- NFTs and she's going to give us a real overview and an introduction to NFTs. So please enjoy my interview with Sophia Wasserman from J.P. Uh, Morgan Chase and Company. Hello, guys. You know what? It's class time. Class is in session. We are going to learn about NFTs today, and we have an NFT expert. Her name is Sophia Wasserman. She is the Onyx software engineer at J.P. Morgan Chase Company in New York City, and she is an NFT expert. So we're going to learn all about NFTs today. Sophia, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. Sophia, why don't you just give you a, a little a brief resume of how you got involved in NFTs and how you became an expert in such a, an exciting and, and progressive field? Yeah, definitely. So... I've been involved in the blockchain space since about 2017 in the enterprise space. So I was working at IBM uh, in the consulting side of the business in a blockchain focused group. So I've been I've been learning about cross industry use cases from proof of concept all the way to productionalized uh, blockchain networks uh, for a while. Um, I was always fascinated by the application of blockchain and finance. So uh, I found myself at JP Morgan. Uh, so JP Morgan has a group called Onyx, um, which is a blockchain focused group in the corporate and investment bank. So I started with the group about a year ago. Um, my non-fungible token or NFT journey started at IBM. Um, Right before I left, I was leading the helm on tokenization efforts for a company that was trying to tokenize intellectual property. Um, And I was very interested in this technology and I got the opportunity to continue the research um, at JP Morgan. So I've been focused on understanding how do we apply NFTs across industries? What are the possible use cases? How do we evaluate what a good use case is. Um, And all of this was before the crazy hype that we saw last year with NFTs. (laughs) So uh, that's how I became the NFT expert. Um, I think that what we're seeing now is is just the very beginning of of the new NFT world. I mean, we are really at the beginning, you know, for, for us, uh, card guys, I'm, we're just baseball card guys and collectors, you know, what, what is actually an NFT and, and, uh, you know, how did it, how did it come into my life? But, you know, a year and a half ago, I don't think I even knew what an NFT, never even heard an NFT. And now everyone from, from tops to Tom Brady to the NFL, they're all, they're all, uh, talking and dealing with NFT. So, so let's, Give us a little brief uh, history of NFTs and, and and why it's become so prevalent. Yeah, definitely. So NFTs um, have, have a long history. You know, you can go uh, backwards to the history of blockchain, which I think we can start at 2009. That's what people mostly say with the uh, white paper of Bitcoin, but it goes further back with, with the internet. Um, with, with NFTs specifically, though, all they are is a, a digital representation of what uh, a physical 
or intangible asset. So, and this allows us to understand ownership and we can track that ownership. Um, so the first example of an NFT actually came about in, in 2017. This was back on the Ethereum network. And uh, there was a group, Dapper Labs, which since then has, has created their own blockchain network called Flow, which is actually where uh, I think it's, it's uh, uh, Tops. Tops is on Flow. Um, but anyway, they came with CryptoKitties. So CryptoKitties were the first example of, of an NFT that we saw. Um, and since then, um, I would say from 2017 to 2019, the NFT traction was really focused on digital artists. And, and that's because it was very difficult for digital artists to, to really be recognized for their work. There was so much digital art and no way to really attribute it to, to the creator. Um, so that's the first group that really like attached themselves to NFTs. Since then, you know, we've been seeing it gain a lot of traction in this collectible space and, and for, for, you know, great reason. Um, it's, it's, a new, uh, it's a new way to gain, uh, you know, uh, customer engagement. So all of these big brands like MLB and NFL and NBA, you know, can really uh, garner new ways to, to engage with their, with their viewers and, and customers. Um, and I think that's that's why we're 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 seeing such a big a big uh, play in this area right now for collectibles. Um, you know, in my research, I also tried to understand like why why collectibles, why art, um, and I think that one of the big reasons is because the you know for for NFTs, the initial cost right uh, of creating an NFT is is something you have to think about. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to tokenize an entire supply chain. <laughs> The upfront cost is, is much more expensive than creating, you know, a digital art or some sort of user interface to create a marketplace. So I think that's one of the big reasons that we're seeing this particular use case um, really gain traction because the upfront cost is is minimal and actually the regulation as well, you know, in, in collect collectibles and and uh, sports betting and all that. The regulatory environment is is pretty easy. Um, if you flip that to something like you know real estate or financial assets, the regulatory environment is is much more uh, difficult to to uh, to play around with. Um, and so I think that's why these particular use cases are are the ones that are coming to the forefront right now. Now, a company like Tops, they you know they just came out with their their new uh, 2022 set. They printed over 700,000 cards. Uh, of each card, you know, um, so the scarcity of these cards is, is uh, few and far between in a lot of instances. But the NFT, how do they control the um, the amount of uh, NFTs get that get out there? So if they create a, an NFT card of uh, no Margarita pair, how do they how do they say that there's only going to be 25 of those and, and, and how um how are those held and how are those traded i know there's a lot of questions and, and a lot of parts of that one question but um you know we're trying to learn about as from a collectible standpoint when i get a card i just get a card and i, I enjoy the, the physical card of it but digitally it's kind of hard to wrap my hand head around that you know yeah. Um, so all of this is is basically driven by the smart contract, uh, which lives on the blockchain. And that's that, you know, 
that is what gives it this decentralized uh, aspect where humans, humans, once it's deployed on the blockchain, there's no more human interaction. Whatever is written in the code is, is the way it's going to, to function. Um, okay. So for these rarity aspects, um, it's, it's written in the code. They just say like how, how, how many, and, and it's all done by images. So let's not forget that. So when we want to create a, a pack of collectibles, right? All it is is a, is a number of different images. And then you can basically dictate how often do I want this image to appear? And you can literally, that's just in, in the code. You can just say like, I want this to be, you know, uh, 60% of, of the images that come up. So this is, you know, a common card. I want this to be only seen, you know, 2% of the time. So this is a more of a rare card. Um, and you can, you can define that in the code before, before you mint the NFTs. What stops somebody from copying that and running it on another network? So, you know, Tops is, is uh, you know, they're on Flow, I, I guess. And so, you know, they create they create a one-on-one card, right? And, and what stops me from, I own that card. I own a physical copy of that card. What is What stops me from uh, scanning a copy of that card and creating an NFT of that card on another network? Uh, there's really nothing that's that's stopping you from that. But like, let's just think about it from like a usability uh, standpoint. Like, why would one of your listeners buy buy a card? Right. I mean, I would say one of the re one of one of the the things they should look at is who's selling the card. You know, like if I if I post an MLB picture or whatever, and I'm selling the card, you can look at the history. And you can see that I was actually the one, in fact, that that posted this picture. It didn't come from from MLB. So that's first and foremost. You can you can look back at the provenance of the card and you can see where it originated from. Now, if if we're talking about like I took a picture at a game and I posted it, that's different. Trying to take ownership of something that Tops is also selling is is, you know, is different. And you'll be able to prove that from the from the transaction history. Does, from a copyright standpoint, I know this is legality, and I'm not—I don't know if that's, that's your expertise, but um, is there a copyright infringement that I am just—I am taking a card that I have and creating an NFT of it, and I have no—you uh, know—I have no relationship with Tops or, or Tom Brady or whoever? Is that—is there—am uh, I breaking laws doing that? Um, so I can't speak really on the part of the regulatory part of this, but yes, I would say you're, you're breaking some laws and okay. that's all you can find all of that language that's embedded everywhere on these sites. Like they make, they make sure to, to cover, to cover themselves uh, in every aspect in that regard. Now there's a lot, you know, there's, there's so many uh, groups getting involved with NFT. Tom Brady has his autograph uh, mm -hmm. company and uh, NBA Top Shots, which is really the, the thing that really started the uh, on the collectibles end. You know, Tops is involved. The NFL is involved. There's all sorts of uh, the NHL is involved. Um, you know, the, it must be a profitable uh, way to, to uh, conduct business if all these companies are getting involved as uh, creators of NFTs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that we're going to continue to see um, different ways that NFTs are used um, in sporting events. So I, you know, I have no idea what, what 
either MLB or NBA or Tom Brady has, has in mind for this type of stuff, but there's a lot of different ways that you can take this. I mean, you can do different things like with like loyalty points you can have, I mean, a lot of these, if you go on autograph tops and top shot, they all have like, um, things like leaderboards, scoreboards to showcase how, how, uh, engaged you are, you know, with, with their teams and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of different ways that you can take this. And I would expect that, that we're going to, to, to continue to see NFTs, um, make a play and, and in some ways you won't even realize in some cases that you're, that you're, you know, playing the game of NFTs. Um, I think that they're going to continue to, um, abstract the blockchain away from the NFT um, to make it more easy for users to get involved. Oh, NFT, the revenue stream is never ending, right? So that once they initially they sell the NFT, but then when I go and sell it or, or um, monetize it in some way, the, the originator of the NFT is generating, still generating uh, revenue, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's right. So like for autograph, they have, I like the way that they're doing it there. Um, they have, you know, so NFTs, let me take a step back, allow the creator, the, the, the person that, you know, first creates the NFT to collect royalties for the lifetime of that NFT that's written in the smart contract. Um, and so for autograph, for example, um, Tom Brady allows, uh, you know, who, whoever the creator of the NFT is, whoever the autographer is to be kind of like dictate where they let those royalties go in future. So they can have, you know, the royalties flow to a charity of choice um, and things like that. So yeah, the, the monetization aspect of NFTs is infinite potentially. <laughs> no, when I'm as a collector, I uh, buy a, a pack of NFTs from Tops, and we're just using Tops as an example. Mm -hmm. um, but then I want to uh, trade with other NFT people for and that's not necessarily maybe uh, I don't want the tops card, but I want to get a uh, Fanatics or a Tom Brady card. Uh, can they interact or can different NFT producers interact? Can you can you trade uh, NFTs or sell NFTs across different platforms? Yeah. So tops actually, and I don't know if I, I might have misspoke. So tops is actually on Avalanche. Top Shot is on Flow and Autograph is on Polygon. I, I don't okay. I think I might have confused them at some point. Tops, uh, actually, they have a, a cool thing that they've done. They've really abstracted the blockchain from the user and they allow you, first of all, it should be noted that they only take credit card payment. So they don't, they don't take crypto for purchase of the cards. And so they've abstracted this away from the user and they created a marketplace on their site. So you can just post, you know, you can buy it, you can buy a pack, you can look at the cards inside, and then you can put a card up for sale right away on their marketplace. And it's all done in dollars. You, you plug in your credit card and that's it. But what you can do as well is you can get into the blockchain space. You can go to Avalanche. You can create an Avalanche wallet. You can take the contract address of your NFT, which is all on there. Tops, Autograph, Top Shot. They have all of the blockchain information is there. You just have to click, you know, <laughs> the right buttons to find it. So you can copy the contract address of the NFT, and then you can you can put it on other marketplaces. You don't have to just be, um, you know, confined to the Tops marketplace that they have on their uh, website. And then you I can go elsewhere. Do you see a company like eBay getting involved in, in this? Because, you know, they're 
they're such a big, you know, they're the, the flea market of the world, so to speak. And, and that's a, that's a big uh, marketplace for cards. They're selling, you know, millions and oh. millions of dollars of cards. You I think see. that uh, people are going to just, there's going to be a eBay type marketplace for NFTs where, you know, I have, I have 20 NFTs that I, I don't want anymore and that I want to uh, unload or trade to somebody. You think, do you see that? down the road anything anything's possible i have no idea what what ebay is planning for this um you know from an enterprise standpoint because i'm close to that um there's a lot of 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 technical acumen and uh you know build out that needs to happen in order to facilitate something like that um i'm not sure you know what ebay's plans are but i i didn't realize the connection with uh with cards and ebay but so maybe i i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) understand you're an nft expert and i'm the card expert um you know uh, nfts has had a a lot of problems in terms of fraud and transactions and uh and security Mm -hmm. and people getting their money out of, of the nft market and turning that into dollars. Um, has that been solved in, in a great extent now? And, and, or is that something that's still a consideration as a collector and ultimately an investor? Yeah, look, it's definitely something that's that's uh, of concern. It's not something that is solved at all. I mean, even last week, there was a crazy phishing attack. I don't know if you saw on OpenSea, which is one of the biggest NFT marketplaces. And it was a pretty, I I got the email. (laughs) I got the email. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then, you know, two days later, I see like 32 people had all of their NFTs stolen from their accounts on OpenSea. So no, this is still a big concern. Um, And, you know, I think the only way you know, it's a risk that you're going to be taking inherently getting involved. I, 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 I would say you should get involved. It's a cool space. It's going to be the new age. Like this is the way the world is going. Um, but just be mindful, you know, like I would say, take a look at, you know, branding is huge. I think following the big brands is the right way to go. Understanding the underlying blockchain technology is important. If you can read up on the white paper, do that. Um, and and be vigilant about your your wallets. Um, you know, don't don't fall for the phishing attack. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, but it's on you. And that's that's what this decentralized world is all about. You're your own bank, um, and so you have to do that due diligence as a result. And how about getting your um, get you know converting your NFT assets to dollars? Is that yeah? I, I've heard uh, horror stories in terms of someone has a an NFT that's worth thousands of dollars, and then they want to convert that into actual dollars. And it in some instances they can't do it. In some instances, it takes you know months to do. Um, is is that based on the uh, NFT marketplace or or the NFT pro, uh, creator or, or how 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 is that uh, being uh, rectified? Uh, you know, I don't have as much experience in, in this part. Um, I know that there are companies that focus on this exclusively. There's a company called BlockFi that basically helps you convert your crypto assets into dollars. They'll give you loans, things like that. Um, so there's, I'm sure there's a bunch of other companies that are doing the same. Um, but yeah, no, that's also something that that's of concern. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, be attached to any of the funds that you're putting into this space. <laughs> it's kind of the wild west right (laughs) sophia i mean it's really the wild west of of, uh investing right now uh 
Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely is. And everybody, but it's a good opportunity because there's no, there, you know, you're calling me an expert. I'm not an expert. We're all on the ground floor together <laughs> learning what this is all about. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on TikTok. I love uh, following TikTok for, for card stuff. And I always see uh, people about NFTs and they're like, oh, a 17 year old uh, uh, NFT trader is now making a hundred thousand dollars a month. And, uh, you know, is that, is that smoke and mirrors or is, do you think that's re- real? Um, look, I think there's a lot of hype. Uh, I think there's a lot of talk and like a lot of excitement, you know, everyone wants to get rich quick. Um, I do think that there's ways that people, people are, are, are making money in the space. I don't think it's necessarily with NFTs. There's an, there's a whole other area called decentralized finance. Um, I think people are making money there. Uh, but that's a whole other, whole other discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Do, um, you know, how big is, is the NFT market, uh, you know, in, in 2021 and going into 2022, is this really still a niche market in terms of collectibles and investing? Or, um, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we, we see, I think there's a future out there and we think we're at the beginning of the, this. Um, how, how, how big do you see the market growing in, in the next year or two? No, I think, I think we're definitely, there is definite traction now. If you look at the sales volumes uh, just in, in 2021, the first two quarters were you know minimal. There was like almost no traction. Then it blew up to like you know 1.2 billion Q3, Q4. That's like a 2,000% increase. <laughs> um, and it's not slowing. And then there's other crazy numbers like, like I think it's like maybe it's around like 15% of like Americans have have uh, you know, dealt with some sort of like transaction on the blockchain now. So, and now we have all this metaverse talk, which NFTs are a huge part of that. Um, and so I think this is just going to continue to grow for sure. This is the very beginning. Right. I mean, you've got to re- understand that this, the NFT market is not protected like a bank, right? The money that's put in the bank or, or even stocks, there's, there's no, there's no uh, government for overseeing, right? This right. is just kind of this is just kind of uh, open season right now. Uh, when do you think the government's going to get involved? Because if it's all that money that's that, that's out there, and you know people gonna, can start hiding money in NFTs and, and Bitcoin and such, when do you think the government's going to start getting involved in regulating some of this? Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's not really my area of expertise. Um, I mean, you can look around the globe. At, you know, there's certain areas like India and China that have already said like you know, no crypto. Um, and then there's other areas like in Europe that there, you know, there's like these small formed groups that are trying to kind of, uh, you know, assess the, the, like what a digital asset is and, and how they would go about regulating it. Um, the U S so far, like really hasn't said a lot on it, but Gary Gensler, um, I think has a lot of ideas. Um, but it's very hard to say uh, when there's going to be any real regulation. Um, difficult to say. Uh, you, you personally, do you, do you, uh, are you involved in the in the space? I know you're, you, you know, you're learning. You're certainly learning about it, and uh, an expert uh, with your company. Have, have you uh, dove into it at all? 
Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm heavily involved, uh, obviously with, with Onyx and, and NFTs. Um, but from a personal standpoint too, yeah, I've created some NFTs. They're on OpenSea. They're called piggy cats. They're named after my dog, Aster, who looks like <laughs> a cat and a pig. Um, <laughs> you know, I bought some of those, uh, top shots just to like take a peek at how they were doing it. Um, so yeah, I'm involved in the space. Um, I like to get my hands dirty. That's how I learned. <laughs> Now, the NFT can be both either a video or an image, right? Those are both the only two, two um, NFTs that are out there right now. So that's, uh, that's true for collectibles. Yes. Yeah. But yes. So for collectibles, yeah, it's going to be an image of some sort or a video so far. Now, um, you know, I think it's a young man's game right now. Would you agree with me that that the people that a lot of the people that are doing involved with NFTs seem to be the you know the young young person into the mid twenties or, or even late twenties? Uh, you know, us us old guys we're we're hesitant because we don't know a lot about it. That's why one of the things I brought you on because it's kind of scary. You know, it's it, it, it's something new and it's something that's not tangible. You can't hold on to a card. You can't you can't go to a show and see it see it. Um, do you, do you see, um, a getting some inroads into, into, uh, older collectors and an older demographic? Yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, so I think what I was kind of alluding to before is, is right now, um, there's so many different, uh, barriers to entry to get involved just because there's there, you know, you have to have a Coinbase account, you have to have a wallet yet. There's all these different things. Um, but like I said, for, for instance, like with tops, they're doing their best to make the user experience as simplistic and, uh, you know, um, feasible as possible and to make it feel like all of our other past internet experiences. And so I think that's going to be the what we're going to see going forward is the user experience is going to continue to improve and that will allow more people to to get on board and and to you know get involved in the space yeah i mean i went on to open c uh, earlier and i, I said oh, i'll sign up and get an account you know and then it's like oh well you need a wallet you need this yeah. like my head started to hurt because i it's like i just want to sign up for an account Look at all every, everyone's NFTs, and if it's something I'm interested in, and maybe I want to get involved in, then I just want to click a button and and right. purchase it. I, you know, tops. I, I agree with you. Tops. They have um, their their digital assets that, that come out. They, they have a new release, kind of like they do their cards, and uh, they sell out very quickly. I mean, they, you know, I think they sold out within within a couple of weeks or a week in terms of when they released their their new sets. But I know because you could. I went on and I signed up for an account. And I haven't purchased anything yet. Uh, I'm still afraid, <laughs> but I'm lear I'm learning, you know. So it, it's. Uh, I think the barrier of entry is still a little high. Would you agree? Yeah. No, it definitely is. Look, it's a new. It's a new space. I equate what's happening now, like when everyone and their mother was making, you know, their first website or an email address. Like that was a lot. It took. It took a while to get some traction. So I think it, it's the same thing. It'll. But it'll happen. I. I, I believe it will. So would you would you uh, you know harking back to what you said in terms of protecting yourself, would you consider your your wallet and that's a good, a good term because it is it's where your money is right that's where all your NFTs are um, that that's protected kind of you protect that kind of like a credit card right or a credit card number or 
Yeah, definitely. And all of them have like these crazy long, uh, you know, 12 word mnemonics to, to, to get inside the wallet. And, you know, they say like, okay, write this 12 word mnemonic down on a piece of paper. <laughs> have, so there been, like- <laughs> have there been any hackers or, um, you know, people hacking into some of the, you know, OpenSea or any of these other, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what, that's what happened last week. So the way the phishing attack worked last week is they they this is this was what the email said. It said, "Hey, we're going to do an upgrade of our smart contracts. If you want your NFT to be shown as available on the marketplace, you need to update the smart contract." Ah, okay. I was like, it, it looked legit. I'll be honest. Yep. Um, so then, what ended up happening though is um, this is you know very high level. They had, uh, for whoever fell for the phishing attack, they connected their wallet and then they signed a transaction to move over the, the, the NFTs to the new smart contract. So they, they had their wallet open and that's how they were able to drain the funds. Oh, wow. Now, were they protected? Did, did OpenSea protect them on that or is that was just kind of prior uh, you know, I haven't I haven't read up on the latest, but I know that there was a lot. Yeah, there's there's legwork going on in in that way. I don't know how they're going to be uh, compensated for the loss, um, but yeah, I, I expect there's going to be something something that's done. Um, it, it, that's a difficult thing to to crack down though. An email. Um, I don't know how they got those emails. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of strange. Well, one of the things that was kind of cool that you and I were talking about last week is that the anyone that went to the Super Bowl, they got a free NFT from the NFL with their Super Bowl ticket. Um, how did that promotion go off? Did you hear, have you heard any feedback on that? I haven't. I haven't heard feedback on that. No, but I think that's a really cool thing, and I I would expect we're going to see more things like that in the future. So it's very neat. Well, Sophia. Thank you very much. Sophia Wasserman is the Onyx software engineer for JP Morgan Chase and Companies. I get that right? Yes. <laughs> she is an NFT expert. I, uh, Sophia, do you want to give out your um, your email address in case people have questions about NFTs um, that they, they can send to you? Yeah, sure. So my email at JP Morgan is Sophia, S-O-P-H-I-A dot G dot Wasserman, W-A-S-S-E-R-M-A-N at jpmchase.com. Thank you. I'll put that up uh, on, on the website as well. Uh, Sophia is an expert in NFTs there. There's all sorts of uh, cool stuff she's working on with uh, JP Morgan that we can't really divulge because it hasn't happened yet that she mm-hmm. talked to me a little about. So there's all sorts of kind of cool collectible stuff that she's working on. Um, it is an interesting market. Uh, we're, we're learning more about it. I, I know, um, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys my in my age bracket and even a little uh, younger and they're scared we don't know about it we just don't we don't have enough information i think you filled us in a little and it's still um, buyer beware you know it's kind of like uh, you know when you go out guys when you go out to a card show and you buy a card or, or you get you're purchasing an autograph that hasn't been authenticated well this is uh, there's some some risk involved so um, just be careful, you know, don't, don't, don't spend all your, uh, your disposable money on, on NFTs. I, I would think it <laughs> weighed in slowly, carefully, right, Sophia? Yes, yes, that's the right idea. <laughs> but definitely have, get involved. <laughs> yeah, have fun with it. I know, you know, Tom Brady has his company called Autograph. The NBA has NBA Top Shots. Um, the ML, uh, 
Tops has one, uh, uh, and the NFL has one, the NHL has one. So there are NFTs all over the place in terms of collectibles. I'm sure fanatics will have something. That, so uh, from a collectible standpoint, it's neat. It, it's something different, but just uh, be careful. That's that's the, the key. So Sophia, thank you very much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. It was uh, eye-opening to say the least. <laughs> and and, and I'll, I'll say class is dismissed, right? Right, Sophia? Yes. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that interview was eye-opening, don't you think, Drew? It was really, it's really cool to learn about something that, that I'm totally clueless about. It definitely is. I mean, yeah, it gives me kind of a little bit of a crash course here, starting uh, just the, some basic knowledge on everything. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm like you. I do not understand these things at all. I don't know anything about them. So kind of gets me at least uh, to where I can at least know something, <laughs> which is a lot better than nothing that I know right now. So really good to see. Yep. Good to hear all that. Later in the program, we're going to have Tobin Lent from who is the vice president of digital at Tops, and we're going to learn about all of um, what's happening with Tops and their uh, digital offerings, including NFTs. Uh, but next up, we're going to have Making the Grade. Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit DSGGrading.com to learn more. Making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. It's been a pretty, pretty busy week, a lot, lot of uh, news coming out of, out of grading. So uh, our friends at, C at CSG have uh, caught up with their backlog. Their uh, bulk submissions are now 45 days. Their economy submissions are 25 days. Standard uh, submissions are 15 days. Express is seven days. And walkthroughs are three days. So they are, they are caught up on their backlog. And I was actually out at the uh, uh, CSG headquarters yesterday and uh, saw their operation, their new grading room. And, boy, it, it is buzzing. They are, uh, they, have, they are screaming through uh, tons of stu stuff in terms of grading that uh, they were grading everything when i was there it was really cool to watch a bunch of guys grading so um you know check out csg uh they are uh, caught up in their backlogs and they are they're they're, they're meeting all the deadlines uh beckett working on getting their backlogs complete and they've got a new headquarters that they're going to be moving to here to help all of that out it's about six miles away from their current ones in the uh, dallas area here it's a four times larger campus than what they've got right now they're going to be moving into there in april and they say that's going to help them out to complete their backlog by May. So a uh, lofty goal right there, but uh, hey, great for them if they're able to pull this off and get uh, right back on uh, on target there with everybody else. Yeah, and uh, CSJ is going to be at the uh, Chicago Sports Spectacular May 18th through the 20th, so that's next weekend. And the first 50 people that submit cards with CSJ um, at the show in Chicago, it's at the Rosemont, will get a Dominique Wilkins card uh, that has uh, has a signed label, which is kind of cool. So if you're going to drop off, uh, you want to get a card graded by CSG, uh, see, uh, talk to their experts. They're going to be at the Chicago Sports Spectacular March 18th to the 20th at the Rosemont. And again, the first 50 people that submit cards uh, to get graded will get a Don Dominic Wilkins card, who's a Hall of Famer, with a signed label, which is, is really neat. Um, just want to let everyone know about our friends at Diamond Service Grading. That's DSG, Diamond Service Grading.com, DSGGrading.com, I'm sorry. Uh, they offer a $5 coupon for TTMCast TM, TM listeners. This is exclusive 
to TCMcast listeners, there's a coupon code, and you don't worry, you don't have to write it down, it's, but it's 4HMUGTZG. It's available on our website, 4HMUGTZG, and it's it's really cool. Uh, Diamond Source Grading offers uh, a QR code right on their label, so you scan the QR code, and it gives you a detail of why you got your card got that got it graded. So that's the, their standard submissions of thirty dollars, but with um, the coupon code, it's only twenty five dollars for you. They're meeting their thirty day turnaround. They have cool stuff called uh, era labels, different labels you can choose, and they have a new uh, service that uh, they're announcing. They have a one day turnaround. So if you next day your card out to them, uh, and then next day it back to you, uh, you for $150, you can get that card in one day, which is if you need a card graded quickly, there's a, there's a shot. So check them out, DSG, Diamond Service Grading, dsggrading.com, check them out. Next up, we are, that's wraps up uh, our uh, making the grade. Next up, we're going to talk, uh, announce a little contest we have. So as I said, I was out at the uh, CSG headquarters uh, the other day, and uh, I've got, they gave me some stuff to give away. So I have two CSG baseball hats to give away. I'm going to give away one uh, one hat to uh, two different listeners. Uh, if you want to enter the contest, all you have to do is send me your name and mailing address. Send it to tcamcast.yahoo.com, or you can text us at 978-729-0662. Once again, I got uh, two CSG baseball hats that I'm going to give away. Uh, one, one to one listener, one to another listener, two listeners will, will win. Uh, all you have to do is just send me your name and your mailing address, and we'll announce those winners next week. So that wraps up contest, and we're going to go right into TTMCast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMCast stamp of approval. Since Drew's been so quiet lately, <laughs> he's been quiet. We're going to let Drew do his TTMCast stamp of approval next. So, uh, yeah, my TTMCast stamp of approval for the week is the Australian Football League season kicks off on Tuesday. So um, it's always been my favorite sport to watch. Men's season will be kicking off on Tuesday. Women's season is just coming up on the uh, conclusion of the regular season. They're going to have the uh, their playoffs, uh, their finals upcoming. But uh, Ash Riddell, one of my favorite players from the North Melbourne Kangaroos, set a two records already. Well, kind of tied a record, then set her own record, and set a second record for the most disposals in a game. And basically – what it means is that a disposal, just, it kind of measures how much you are handling the ball during a game. And so she ends up tying the record for the most disposals in a single game earlier this year, set a new, personal, set a new uh, single game record here this past week, and also has set the single season record. So North Melbourne, hopefully looking strong, hopefully uh, peaking at the right time as their playoffs start, and anxious to see how they do in the regular season as the men kick off on Tuesday. So, uh yeah, happy to see all that, and uh, looking forward to hopefully a very good and entertaining season there down uh, down under. Drew, thank you very much. My stamp of approval is going to be spring training as a whole. I'm down here in Florida for spring training this week, and uh, I've done spring training in Arizona. I've done spring training in Florida, and both is fabulous. So um, I highly recommend if you're a baseball fan, uh, if you live in a cold-weather climate, uh, take a break, take a week, and, and come down to spring training baseball you can go to the beach and just relax and escape the the nasty storms that are coming up to the northeast at this time of year and it's just fabulous and you don't even have to be an autograph collector it is great to get autographs as well but um just to, to come and enjoy the weather and hang out and have a couple of beers and watch spring training games and you know you see all the 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 rookies and you get to see some of the guys that don't play a lot and you get to see some of the stars as well 
Uh, it's fun time, so I recommend uh, spring training baseball. That is my TTMcast stamp of approval. And that wraps up stamp of approval. Next up is the Vern Rap Minute. The Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp, who passed away prior to uh, me sending out a TTM request. So we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers to let people know who have passed away in the world of celebrity and sports and politics. So if you're going to send out a TTM request, you're not embarrassed like I was. Well, uh, this guy, this one hit close to home. I was a huge Mork and Mindy fan when I was a kid. I'm sure you started in reruns, Drew. Uh, a little older, but uh, Conrad Janis, who played Mindy's uh, dad uh, and was kind of a like character actor. He's, he was a, he's been in a ton of stuff. He passed away. He was 94 years old. Uh, it's one that kind of hits for I think every listener out there because I mean, this guy's been around since the early 1970s, and I mean, I probably every listener of this show at least partially grew up watching Sesame Street and uh, Emilio Delgado, who played uh, Luis on the show from, I think I said 1971, all the way up to the last few years or so, died this week. He was 81, but uh, not just Sesame Street either. He did a lot of work on a lot of other TV shows in various parts, uh, various spots. He was a singer as well. So uh, sorry to hear about that. That's, you know, a big loss for anybody who uh, grew up watching him on TV. There's a great documentary on HBO, and I'm sure you can get it on HBO now on Sesame Street. I think it's called Sesame Street Gang or the Gang on Sesame Street or something, something to that effect, and it's really, really good. It takes it all the way from the beginning of Sesame Street all the way to today, and it, it interviews all these guys. And uh, you know, I remember when when uh, Mr. Hooper died, and that was a big thing of how they were going to handle death. And it's just, it's just really interesting. So uh, obviously, everyone, everyone watched Sesame Street as a kid, and you know, it's, it's too bad for to losing uh, Emil. Uh, we lost, in the world of baseball, we lost Ike DeLock. Uh, Ike DeLock is a, a Boston guy. He played for the Red Sox basically from 1963 to 1952 to 63. I think he finished one year with the Orioles, um, and he was a great TTMer. Uh, he, he, used, he was always here locally signing, um, and he was 92 years old. Another uh, death in baseball to another pitcher was uh, Fred Lasher this week. Played a pitch from 1963 to 71, known as the Whip. He was one of those submarine pitchers there, but played with the Indians, the Angels, the Twins, and the Tigers. He was part of the 1968 Tigers World Series winning team. Excellent TTMer as well, and uh, we were talking about this beforehand. He uh, had an interesting game where he ended up hitting Tony Conigliaro with a pitch. Conigliaro charged the mound, got tossed, and then what happens next? But uh, a couple innings later, Billy Conigliaro comes up and hits the home run off of him. So, uh Interesting uh, series of events right there. But, yeah, he was 80 years old and uh, unfortunately died this week as well. And then we lost, this was a, a by accident, total surprise, uh, Dallas Perez, who was a pitcher for the Dodgers and Nationals and Kansas City Royals from 1998 to 2008. He had an accident in his home. He actually fell off a ladder. He was only 44 years old. He was, uh, I believe he was from the Dominican and lived in the Dominican uh, in his, I think his brother, uh, Found him, but what, oh, Dallas Perez actually pitched in the first game of the Nationals uh, when they they be, moved down from Montreal to Washington. So, um, you know, I don't think he was much of a TTMer, but it's it's uh, it's shocking when someone so young passes away. Well, that wraps up the Vern Rap Minute. 
for for this week. Uh, our condolences go out to friends and family. Next up, we're going to talk TTM returns. It's the news sports card collectors have been waiting for. The CSG Population Report is here. It provides an up-to-date catalog of all the sports cards that have been graded by CSG. Designed to be user-friendly and easy to navigate, sports card enthusiasts can use the CSG Population Report to determine the relative rarity of a sports card in a particular CSG grade. Start exploring today at csgcards.com. This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. Well, I'm on the road this week, so I know I have a bunch of uh, returns in my mailbox. Uh, my son told me, but I don't, I don't, I don't let him open it up. I, Drew, do you let anyone else open up your TTMs? Once in a while, like uh, the last time that I was on a uh, when I did my 2018 road trip, I got a few that came in and. I had my wife open them and send me pictures of what I got. And uh, like whenever I was uh, traveling with my uh, with one of my previous bands, I would have her open them up and you know send me pictures of it. But for the most part, no, I have uh, I just I I just let them sit there and I'll let them. That's probably what I'm going to do this summer too. Just let them all kind of pile up and check them when I get back. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's like getting a Christmas present when you get home from vacation. Yeah. So, but I'm uh, I'm in uh, in Florida, Southwest Florida this week and and next week. And I'm actually heading over to Naples, Florida on the 21st for a Legends of Basketball event. So Kevin McHale, Rick Barry, uh, um, Earl Monroe, and Aros Gilmer are all going to be there. So I've got a bunch of cards and some juries, jerseys that I brought with, them, with me to have them signed. So uh, that, that, those, that's cool. those are my returns, my, my in-person stuff. Drew, how, would, how, how was your returns this week? I've had another really good week here, uh, starting out with uh, last week I'd mentioned I had probably Stephanie Brown Trafton, former Olympic discus thrower, coming in the mail and did indeed get that on Saturday afternoon. Big day on Monday. Got back uh, Tommy Sallow from a private signing that I mailed off to, so I'm down to only needing six more for my 0203 tops total hockey set now at this point after that one. I uh, also awesome. got set hits. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's been a lot of work. We're going on 19 years on that now, and... Hopefully, I have a lead on another one of those uh, six remaining ones. So hopefully, I'll, uh, so hopefully it'll, that number is going to keep on decreasing here soon. I uh, got set hits from uh, Jared Oliva and Mario Mendoza, both in the mail on uh, this past Monday as well. Got cartoonist John Reiner, who is, uh, he draws the Lockhorns. You may, remember, you may remember that a couple weeks ago, I got uh, Bunny Hurst in the mail. She's the uh, writer of the comic strip. He's the guy who draws it. So got that with a little sketch of Leroy Lockhorn on the card as well. And an email request that came back from Penn & Teller, signed 8x10 photo from the two of them. So that's uh, another favorite of mine to be able to get there. Uh, Tuesday got Dick Schofield in, the former Pirates, Cardinals, Red Sox, and these are the Dodgers and the Angels as well. Shortstop for them for a number of years throughout the 60s and early 70s. Uh, Thursday got Rocky Blyer in the mail, as well as a private signing back from Cecil Fielder with a uh, set hit on that one, his... uh, 91 Diamond Kings card was one of the two I got signed there. Big day yesterday, got back uh, Niger Morgan, former outfielder for several teams. There's the Pirates, Nationals, Brewers, Indians, maybe a couple other teams in there. Uh, Don Kessinger, former all-star second baseman of the Chicago Cubs. Got Tom Brennan, former pitcher for the Indians on a pair of those uh, early 80s trio rookies there in the top sets there. So I got those both signed by Chris Bando first. Brennan on the next one, and now the, uh, they'll each go out one to Cindy Whittall from the 1981 set and Von Hayes the 82 set. 
Uh, another big name in the world of racing that I got in this week is the great Roger Penske, owner of, of course, the Penske Racing Team. Signed a couple of cars for me. Those took about a year or so on the turnaround on those. And if informed delivery is to be believed, I've got two coming in today, and I think they're going to be Jerry Kuzman and uh, Lenny Wilkins. So some big names coming back in my inbox here this week, and I'm really happy to get all of those. Nice. Now I got a question for you as a as a as a Cleveland fan. When do we stop calling them the Indians and the, the Guardians? Or is it, if you played for the Indians, you're you're an Indian, and if moving forward you're you're a Guardian. When when is the when is the it, it correct to, to, to uh, on that? That's what I go with. Is if you played for the Indians, then you're an Indian. If you played for the Guardians, you're a Guardian. If you played for both. You can really go either way on that. So, like, right now, if somebody were to ask me about Jose Ramirez, I would say he's the Guardians' third baseman. But if somebody asked me, you know, 20 years down the line, I'd say, yeah, he played for the Indians and the Guardians. Or he just he played like for Buddy Cleveland. Bell, Buddy Bell's an Indian. Buddy Bell's an Indian. Yes, exactly. Buddy Bell is an Indian. Tom Brennan there, he's an Indian. Cecil Fielder, for the short time that he played there, is an Indian. But once again, if they sign a guy as a free agent here this week or something like that, that guy's a Guardian. Got you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Drew. I'm, I'm jealous of I'm jealous of all your returns. You you got some great returns there. So you got a bunch coming going out this week? Uh probably. I just got another batch of stamps in, so I've got enough to send out about probably eighty requests or so right now. I don't think I'm gonna be cranking out all of that this week, but I'll probably try to get out a good, you know, ten to fifteen, maybe twenty if I really get uh, ambitious here this week. But yeah, gonna mail out a few. Cool. Well, that wraps up returns for the week. We're going to go right into our TTMcast interview for the week. Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing Top's uh, Vice President of Digital. His name is Tobin Len, and we talk about the recent one-of-one um, -one auction uh, sale of the 1952 Mickey Mail NFT. We also talk about all of Top's digital offerings and um, – some stuff about it, learning more about NFT. So it's a big NFT week. Please enjoy uh, my interview with Tobin Lent. Uh, but here's uh, first a message from our friends at CSG. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee. CSGcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. It's one of the rarest finds in the history of early Cuban baseball tobacco cards. A CSG-certified 1922 Jose Mendez card is featured in a new Hakes auction right now. The card represents a potentially once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for collectors. A pre-auction estimate provided by Hakes values the card at $20,000 to $35,000. See and learn more about the history of the card at csgcards.com before the auction closes later this month. Welcoming to the show is Tobin Lynn. Tobin is Vice President and Global General Manager of digital at Tops. It's been a very exciting day for Tobin and, and a lot of stuff going on digitally. So I appreciate your time, Tobin. Welcome to the program. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Tobin, before we get into kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of what happened today, um, can you just give uh, my listeners kind of an outline of uh, Tops commitment to the digital uh, portion of collecting and what's available out there for collectors? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, Tops has been a real pioneer in uh, digital collectibles. We got started way back in 2012 um, when we launched our first app for baseball, Bunt, for uh, fans of baseball to collect uh, these really exciting digital collectibles. And we've built a, a really strong portfolio of mobile apps for digital collecting uh, on that side of the business. And so we have mobile apps for baseball, hockey, a lot of the soccer properties, such as uh, 
Bundesliga and UEFA and Major League Soccer here in the U.S. Um, on the entertainment side, we have Star Wars, we have Marvel, Disney, so some really great properties. We built a very nice business there. And of course, um, the new part of the business is getting into this exciting and new world of blockchain NFTs. Um, and we're excited about the, the prospects there and the value that we can bring to collectors with uh, this, this new technology, new way of collecting. Yeah, I mean, NFTs is kind of, um, you know, a mystery to a lot of collectors, especially collectors in my, my age group. I, I know the younger, younger kids are really tuned into it. Um, you know, how, how do you assuage and bring in the, the, the veteran collector, the guy that's been collecting uh, Topps cards for 10, 15, 20 years and, and ease them into the market, so to speak? Well, that's a great question. And that was uh, one of our goals, actually, with our new platform, uh, topsnfts.com. Uh, there's a lot of places out there to buy NFTs, but in a lot of cases, it's very complicated. You have to set up a wallet, you have to go get Ethereum, and it's just complex. And so what we wanted to do with Tops NFTs is actually make it easy for the fans of baseball, the fans of other properties to uh, buy NFTs. So Simple account, sign up like you would sign up for an account anywhere else. Um, just put in your you know, uh, username, password, and some basics, and off you go. Also, enable you to buy NFTs with a credit card. Um, and you know these things aren't easy to do. So we have to do a lot of work behind the scenes to enable that, uh, to enable that simplicity and to enable somebody to buy with a credit card uh, all over the world. So it actually took a lot of work. Uh, we have to battle fraud and all kinds of other other tricky things, but um, the net result is it's easier for fans, and we we hope to just kind of continue to build the community that way. Offer really fun ways to collect and to showcase and show off your your collection uh, digitally, like you would uh, physically uh, on on a shelf. Have you seen some, uh, a lot of skepticism from, you know, the veteran collector to get involved with the NFTs or do you think there, there's a growing acceptance? I think it really depends. I mean, I think um, you've got people with a lot of different opinions. It's a new, it's a new area. There are definitely the, the skeptics who think, you know, what, what, what is this? Why, why would I buy, you know, a, a JPEG? And, you know, my response is why would you buy a piece of cardboard? You know, what, what's meaningful to uh, a collector, and of course, I collect a lot of uh, hard goods myself, so I'm, I'm kind of making fun of myself. But, you know, it's, it's what is meaningful to you as a collector. And, and um, as we get more into this digital world, you know, people are collecting both. They collect physical items for, for some reasons. Um, the tactile feel, you know, you can show it off in different ways. And then in the digital world, you can collect as well. And, you know, be part of a community and show off what you have to other people. And the great thing about the blockchain is it creates that permanence of whatever you're buying is something you can, in theory, keep forever and, and pass down to your grand grandchildren. Uh, so it makes it truly special to collect and keep. Well, it's a really exciting day for you because uh, today you, with Tops Timeless, you auctioned off a 1952 Mickey Mantle NFT, which is a one of one. Um, and the price that was realized was, you know, 400, over $470,000. Was that in line with what you thought uh, it would ultimately go for? Yeah, it, it was actually, Jeff. And it was interesting because, you know, we were all talking about what, what did we think it was going to go for? And, you know, the benchmarks are, of course, there's that uh, physical Mickey Mantle card. Um, I think it was a mint nine or something that went for 5.2 million. 
Um, That's a reference point. And, you know, some of the highest selling um, uh, NFTs, sports NFTs out there, you know, were were upwards of, uh, you know, I think the highest one was a San Jose or a um, Golden State Warriors championship ring that was like $900,000. Uh, the second one was a uh, Erling Holland, a German soccer player, terrific soccer player at Dortmund that went for, um, I think it was over uh, $670,000. So we said, hey, we, we probably are in the bar, ballpark. I put it at an, the over under at a million, but I said, look, I think the floor is several hundred thousand. So we were kind of kind of above that floor. And I, that's an excellent result. I think that, that, you know, we were the third highest sports NFT um, of all of all time, so that was pretty exciting for us. Was there thoughts of not releasing this uh, as the onset of Tops Timeless and, and releasing other things, and then building a uh, a base of collectors, and then releasing it later, or, or was it really, oh, we're going to release this as our first uh, Tops Timeless card? No, it's a great question. We 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 thought a lot about it, uh, Jeff, and and what we what we decided on is, you know, usually. The first release, the first NFT release of anything is very special, kind of considered the Genesis release. And, um, you know, as we thought more about it, we, we, we wanted to, to release with something that was truly special and classic and timeless to launch this brand and make it our Genesis launch. This was the first, I believe, you know, MLB NFT launched on OpenSea and the first in our Tops Timeless series. So I think as people look back in 10 years, you know, hopefully 15 years, 20 years, this, this will be uh, viewed as an incredibly special release. And that's, that's why we did it. Just to clarify for me, cause uh, you know, I was, I was following the auction and it was pretty exciting actually, cause there were a lot of people bidding on it. Um, but I went on a kind of, I don't know, maybe 25 minutes after the auction ended and it appears that the collector now has it listed for sale again. Is that true? Uh, it is. I haven't looked at it. I've been too busy, you know, uh, talking to people and congratulating people. My team, they did a great job on this. So I've been busy doing that. Uh, but I'm sure that's the case, uh, you know, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the secondary market looks like on this. Does Tops generate additional revenue when, when if and when this gets sold to a, uh, another collector down the line or is is uh, kind of Tops out of the game once the, yeah, the yeah. initial sold? You do. Yeah, we, we do. We do, Jeff. Yeah, there's a, there's an author fee on that for every secondary transaction. And that's kind of the exciting thing about this, uh, about the space. There's a model for, you know, authors of any content, um, you know, to, to make money on the secondary market with those transactions. So we get a piece and I believe OpenSea does as well. Does that um, go for anything of the tops NFTs when you guys release your 2021 uh, Series 1, Series 2? Is that the same? It's the same. That's right. Okay. Well, I'm learning. We're learning about the NFTs, so <laughs> how, how it all comes to play. Um, what do you have in line for the Tops uh, Timeless uh, version? Because as a vintage collector, that would really uh, it really piques my interest. Well, as you can imagine, we have uh, an incredible library of iconic cards, really special players, um, and you know we're we're excited to to take all of our learnings from you know this effort. And, and pour them into the things we're doing down the line. So all I can say right now is you, you can kind of imagine, you know, the great cards and great players that we have, those really special rookie cards and what we can do going forward. And, and I think what you'll see is we'll, we'll start to innovate more and have broader activations around these launches. Um, you know, it's great being part of Fanatics. 
They have an exciting business on the apparel side with, um, you know, apparel for, for all of these, these terrific sports properties. You know, we have the physical side of our business. So I think there's some really exciting things that we can do when we um, activate on an NFT to make it more broad and more fun for, for fans uh, in other areas uh, too, that want to, uh, you know, maybe buy some of these other items. So I think, I think, um, you know, it's going to be fun the next few launches that we have under Tops Timeless. Do you think um, that you're going to have something tied in with the, the actual card so that there's some type of uh, NFT um, promotion or some type of free NFT when you buy a hobby box? Is that something that you might do to uh, draw collectors into the NFT market? Yeah, in fact, uh, we, we do want to do more of that, um, Jeff, and we, we've done it. I think the first experiment that we did was with our own property, Garbage Pill Kids. We actually dropped a really clever, cool um, card in the in a box that was going out as part of the Garbage Pill Kids uh, food fight that was distributed in Walmart and a lot of big retailers. And we dropped this really cool card, so you'd come across it in the in a pack. It wasn't in every pack, but we dropped I think one in each box, so some of the packs, one of the packs would have it, and it looked great. But on the back was a promo code where you could uh, get a unique NFT. Uh, for that. And, and, and that was very successful. We found that uh, a lot of the, the physical collectors tried the NFT for the first time. So we had several thousand people, um, you know, uh, activate the NFT. And then we found a lot of the NFT speculators, uh, the crypto traders actually went and bought those physical boxes just to get that, that item. So um, we, we planned on doing more of that, but it was pretty successful the first time out. Do you see that happening with the release of 2002 Series 2 or any of the Bowman releases or even the Top Heritage line, which is my favorite? Maybe. It takes a lot of coordination and uh, planning, so um, more to come on that. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, you know, we mentioned Fanatics. Obviously, Fanatics acquired Tops recently. Um, has Tops Digital changed at all? The 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 vision of Tops Digital changed since Fanatics has come aboard, or um, uh, are you got you going to be implementing a lot of the plans that you had prior to Fanatics coming aboard? I think it's a little bit of both. So the Fanatics team has been terrific. Um, they basically, um, you know, let us continue to run our business um, as we have been, because we had a pretty good strategy, I think, in place for both digital and physical. But they bring a lot to the table, and they're very excited about figuring out ways uh, to grow this business uh, in new ways to leverage um, the Fanatics ecosystem. So they've been terrific partners. I think, you know, we'll continue on our, our path, but we'll be able to innovate in a lot of new ways um, with that partnership. So we're, we're pretty excited to be part of the Fanatics family. Very cool. Do you see, um, in the and forgive me, because I'm not uh, as uh, educated on uh, NFTs as um, you know regular cards, but do you see when the 2002 Series 1 gets released that the availability will be greater? Because I know when you guys released 2021, uh, ta you know the Series 1 and Series 2, they sold out fairly quickly. Yeah, that, that's a it's it's a really interesting balance for us to to take because we want to make sure that we create that scarcity, but we also want to have um, you know it's very big for us to have accessibility uh, for fans. So um, we, we're trying to find that balance. You know, again, we're 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 learning about the space and the demand and um, all of those things. I think we've learned a lot. So I think what you'll see, and I think what you've seen for for some of our past releases on our new platform is. 
you know, we are adjusting that volume. I think in some cases we've, we've offered too much inventory. Um, and so we've had to pull it back. So we're trying to find that sweet spot. Um, and I think we're, we're getting close to it, but, but the idea, you know, really we don't want our product selling out in, in two minutes. I mean, I know that's, it makes us, you know, in some ways it, it, it shows that there's a lot of appetite and we feel good about that, but really we want to make sure that fans have access and have a shot to get uh, rare cards, but also can get some, some exciting, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe less rare cards in their collection. So that, that's the idea. Do you see when, do you ever a release date for series uh, one, 2022 baseball? Not yet. On NFTs, no. And, and how about do you plan on having NFTs for Bowman line and for uh, Heritage and some of the other lines that Tops has? Well, I don't want to uh, fully commit to that, but that that is uh, that is uh, something that's uh, in the plan. I'll say those are those are really great um, brands. We know that collectors, uh, particularly you know Bowman and Heritage, is a beautiful set too. But you know, particularly Bowman. With those those uh, up and coming players, those rookies, um, is very special to collectors. So we we've uh, listened to our community who've been asking for that and uh, want to respond. So you you guys just completed the the Tops Industry Summit recently. It was in Arizona, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, was there any um, you know digital related news that you'd like to share with, with the collectors? No, we were uh, we were pretty much preparing for Mantle. That's that's the big news, and uh, and I can say that we we have some uh, big announcements coming up soon. So um, we're we're uh, obviously watching what's happening with uh, the negotiations between the MLB and MLBPA. Um, I hope that works out, and crossing our fingers. But in the meantime, we want to continue to delight fans. So we'll be announcing some things soon. Do you, uh, you, you kind of led right into my next question in, in the, this lockout is, is kind of a, a pain for baseball fans, right? And collectors as well. Do you think the lockout is going to affect the interest in baseball collectibles uh, going down the road if it, if it goes for an extended period? You know, that, that, I, I hope not. And I, the way I look at it is this is unfortunate. I do think that the MLB and the players will work it out. Um, and I think that a fan of baseball is always a fan of baseball. That's just not going to change. You know, it's, it's a wonderful sport. It's fun to watch. It's fun to collect. So I don't think it's ultimately going to change things, but, you know, I think we all hope that this re gets resolved soon. And, uh, you know, I'm optimistic. I think it will. One, one of the um, big things about NFTs has been, um, you know, Get again, you know, uh, getting hacked in and and um, you know protecting the NFTs and um, you know you know the the security of it. Um, have you had any problems in terms of uh, getting people getting uh, hacked in? And I know OpenSea had some problems, and um, you know people trying to get their money out of the their NFTs that they have in the system. Has that been a problem for you guys at all? Uh, that specific issue hasn't been a problem for us yet. And we've actually done a ton of work uh, to beef up our security. You know, we're watching what's going on. We have an excellent person that heads up our security and is spending a lot of time specifically on NFTs. So I think we have a lot of measures in place. You know, it also, um, you know, we always want to emphasize that for uh, people signing an account, this goes for anything that they make, they, you know, take advantage of. Uh, you know, keeping their passwords uh, carefully and using the multi-factor authentication that we use. Uh, all of those things are important to try to do the, uh, the best that you can to keep your information uh, private. But we're, we're beefing up our security to make sure uh, it's safe 
we have had some multiple attacks that we've been fending off. I mean, it's, it is, it is the wild west. It's a brave, brave new world. And uh, you know, that's a kind, it's like playing whack-a-mole sometimes, you know, you think you solve a problem here and something else pops up. So it's a constant battle. Um, but uh, you know, again, we, we've spent a lot of time and money and investments and making sure it's as secure as possible. Just one more question on uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of the NFT. Um, you know, as, as a collector, I haven't, I haven't purchased any, I, I do have an account with uh, Tops NFT, but uh, if I, when I buy a pack of, of whatever uh, on, on uh, Tops NFT, I get so many comments, so many um, insert cards, if you will, parallels, whatever. Um, is, is the breakdown similar to the printing run so that if, you know, you get, you know, uh, 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 insert every uh, 10 cards and, a, and a, 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 you know, a special one every 100 cards, is that how it works? You know, it's, uh, it's similar, Jeff. It's not uh, it precisely mirrored with a physical pack, but it's close. Okay. And, and we do that because we do modify the packs a little bit. We, you know, we try to add some things that are special and unique to NFTs, some additional things. So it's not, not exactly uh, tied to the physical, but we try to, to match the spirit of the, the rarity in the physical pack. Is there such thing as duplicates? You know, you know, growing up, you buy a bunch of top packs and you always get doubles. And even today, you know, you get doubles. Your your um, collation is fabulous when you buy a, a hobby box. You don't you usually don't get any doubles. But uh, how is the, the the NFTs work? You know, is it a, a set of you know six hundred and sixty cards or or and if you do get doubles, can you trade them? Can you sell them? Uh, how would that work for a collector? Yeah, you, you can you can get doubles, but I mean that's that's kind of the great thing about digital. I think is you can trade instantly and globally with with anybody, and um, that that's what makes it interesting. So if you're and we we actually see in our, our mobile apps is kind of a fascinating thing that there are people that basically hoard certain kinds of cards. You know, let, let's say they want to get every Mike Trout card under the sun, and they they've got thousands and thousands of them. And some of those might be, you know, duplicates and things like that. So we'll we'll see those kinds of situations. Um, and so if they think the the collecting and trading in digital is a little bit different in some cases than it is in, in the physical world. Well, certainly digital is the new horizon for collecting, right? This is this is kind of as we said, the wild wild west. Um, and you've been with Top since two thousand and eighteen. Uh, I'm sure you've seen considerable changes since then. Um, what, what's kind of, are you kind of, we just in the place where we're trying to perfect what's already out there or there's still a lot of new things, uh, down, down the road. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, we're learning a lot and we, we know that our technology is not perfect. And in some cases our, our products, you know, we're always making them better. So we're always trying to, trying to improve on what we have, but like you said, the space changes so fast. And it's actually been unbelievable how quickly the NFT space has changed and evolved. And, you know, we're, we're trying to, we want to make sure that we're out in, in front or at least on the leading edge. We pay attention to what a lot of the startups are doing, um, both good and bad, and try to learn from that and try to stay, you know, um, up with uh, everything that's happening in, in technology as it relates to collecting. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. But it is it is uh, just a constantly evolving space that we're uh, we're excited about. I mean, I think it creates a lot of opportunities um, uh, for us to create new ways 
uh, of, of providing value to collectors. So that, that, that part for us is a lot of fun. I saw an app yesterday that um, you could download the app and then you could create an NFT of your collection. How does the collector differentiate that it's something that's from Tops or that it's something that somebody just created? You know, I take my 1972 Steve Garvey card and I make an NFT of it. And then you and Tops Timeless releases, you know, 20 Steve Garvey cards from 1972. How, how does the collector... Uh, protect himself from, from uh, purchasing the, the fake one as opposed to the, the, the real one, I, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, we had that problem actually on OpenSea. And OpenSea is a great platform. They're a great partner. But um, when we announced the Mantle uh, auction, there were actually a lot of folks putting up, you know, Mickey Mantle uh, NFTs uh, illegally uh, on OpenSea. You know, and they had the laser eyes and those kinds of things that I guess are, yep. you know, that are big with, with the, some of the crypto folks and um you know we open to again work with us at taking those down but that those kinds of things happen and so it's a little bit tricky the nice thing about our platform which is another big reason we built it uh, for tops nfts is that it is it is curated it is only our stuff and so you know when you're buying things there that they originate from us they're officially licensed and it's it's secure ip we we still want to allow you to take that anywhere you want to take it. If you want to then take it to OpenSea, you can do that. But you know, when you buy it there, it originated from us. Um, you can always trace those things on the blockchain, by the way, but not everybody may do that. And so right. it's, it's, still, it's kind of buyer beware a little bit. But I think, I think the thing there, Jeff, is think about where you're buying it and just be careful. Make sure you know what the source is. Um, you know, if you're buying on topsnfts.com, it, 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 you know, it's from us. If you buy it from somewhere else, just make sure you you track the source, you know, where it was originally minted. Sure. We're speaking with Tobin Lent. Tobin is vice president of Global. He's global general manager of Tops Digital, which has to be one of the most exciting jobs in the world because it's ever changing. We're talking to Tobin on probably one of his busy days. It was the release the sale of the 1952 Mickey Mantle NFT, which is a one of one, which went for over $470,000, which is, is phenomenal. Um, and, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Tobin, why don't you let people know, collectors know uh, how they can uh, get access to Tops NFTs and, and how they can be uh, part of the NFT world. Well, that, uh, it's super easy uh, and we made it that way. So all you have to do is go to topsnfts.com, you know, set up an account and uh, you can get going. When we have a release, you can go buy a pack. We try to make them very cost effective. You can go buy something for $10. And that's one thing I encourage people to do is just try it out and see if you like it. If you like it, you know, you can keep going on it. If you don't, you know, that's that's fine, too. Not everybody uh, wants to be a digital collector, um, but just give it a shot and see what you think. All right. Give it give our listeners what one uh, uh, exclusive here. Let it, What's the next card coming up from Top uh, Timeless? What's the, what's the next uh, one on the on the docket to, to come up for Top Timeless? Well, well Top Timeless, I can't announce, but it, you know, you were talking about Series One. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good bet. That's coming up soon. All right. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to add before I let you go, Top? And I really appreciate your time today. Nope, that's it, Jeff. Uh, happy to give you some time and um, appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Tobin Lent, Vice President of Digital at Tops. And Tops has a ton of uh, digital stuff planned, and um, uh, you know, hopefully, they maybe can start incorporating some NFTs into the actual cards. 
you know, when we when we buy a, a, a hobby box and maybe you get a couple free NFTs to get to get guys like Drew and I into the NFTs, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it be, Drew? It would. I think that would be the easiest way for me to potentially get into it because, like, standing on its own, it's like, all right, it's an interesting concept. I'm not sure if it's something I'd really get into, but if you start putting them into the packs there and everything, like, you know, card with a QR code on or something like that, I might be inclined to get into it then. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But we'll see. Well, I want to thank uh, Tobin Lent for joining us. I want to thank Sophia Wasserman for joining us. Guys, remember, I have two CSG baseball hats to give away, so please send me your name and mailing address uh, to ttmcast at yahoo.com if you want to win one of the hats. We're going to give, uh, we're going to give those two hats away um, on next week's show. Um, I don't know, Drew, you got anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap the show up? No, I think that pretty well covers uh, pretty much anything that I had there. Just, you know, looking forward to hopefully getting some uh, requests mailed out to some active players now that they, active baseball players now that they have uh, gotten back into camp. Yeah, I'm going to head out to our Red Sox spring training today. Hopefully maybe I get some uh, Red Sox autographs maybe, and I'm going to a game on Friday. I think they're playing the Twins. And then um, we will be, I'll be heading down to the Legends of Basketball event in Naples on on Monday, and uh, we'll be we'll do our, uh, our show next week, and then I'll be back in Boston. So we've got a lot going on. Uh, next week we have fantasy baseball legend Lenny Melnick. Lenny is a huge uh, vintage collector. He has uh, all sorts of cards from his youth, and we talk cards and collecting. It's a fun show. Lenny is a, a character. He's on XM Sirius uh, Radio. He has a show there, and uh, he's just, he's just a, a great guy. So we're going to have Lenny Melnick next week. Uh, I think that wraps it up for the week. I wish everyone having a great week and wishing everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.